Dotnet Rocks episode 911 with guest Todd Anglin. Recorded live Friday, September 13th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Windows Azure, who wants you as an MSDN subscriber to activate your free Windows Azure credits and start building your own dev test environment in the cloud. Activate before September 30th for a chance to win a 2013 Aston Martin V8 Vantage sports car. Go to dotnetrocks.com slash Azure to enter and win. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl and Richard, again. Indeed. What's up, buddy? We keep doing this. We do. Hey, it's show 911. What's weird about that? I don't know. It's just a random thing. We're recording on Friday the 13th. Okay. They just... Okay. It's getting yeah. weirder. It's getting weirder. But uh, we have some good stuff to announce here coming up, and uh, we have, a, we, of course, we... Dude... Just go to dotnetrocks.com and look at our schedule. Yeah. Because we're all over the place. Just way too much to talk about here. How are you, buddy? What you been up to? Man, I tell you, I am developing the ultimate indoor grow room for tomatoes. Yes, tomatoes, <laughs> not the other stuff. Please don't send the off. You could send the police to my house. That would be great, actually. I'd show them my tomato plants. But I'm doing uh, hydroponic tomatoes in an indoor grow room. But the cool thing is I'm using all Gadgeteer electronics to do temperature and humidity sensing. And I just hooked up my um, relays. So now I can turn uh, appliances on and off, such as heaters, fans, and um, water valves so that I can do all that stuff automatically. And uh, it's just some something I've wanted to do for a long time. I love time. that stuff. We talked so about much it for fun. a while, and uh, I'm I'm doing it. I, I, I it's I did this with the with the fish tanks when I used to have fish tanks. I don't have fish tanks anymore, and you know why. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> but that kind of automation is really a really cool. Well, now that I've figured out the relay, I think I can do anything because if I can turn appliances on and off with code, now I can just like you can do anything nuts. you want. Now I can yeah. do anything I want, right? Yeah, and and water valves and stuff. Yeah, now the house is my playground. But it's this whole AD conversion thing, actually doing a very analog thing like turning a knob, right? With digital controls, it's not as simple as it looks. No, no, it's not. It's tricky. That's but, cool. Yeah, ghielectronics.com. I have all my stuff from there. So once it's all done, of course, there'll be a big blog post and a video and all that stuff, and I'll tell you all about it. So there you go. All right, it's time for better know framework. All right, buddy, what do you got? What I got? No, here's what I got. If you go to tinyurl.com slash funnyjs, okay, it's a, a forum where some people posted some funny JavaScript. That works. That works. So when you place the code into your browse URL bar and press enter, all the images from any website you're on will begin to fly around all over the place. It's kind of funny. Oh, wow. I don't That's understand a- it, but it works. <laughs> and it's like a, it's like one long line of JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> and then hilarious. somebody fixed it so it worked in Firefox. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> now, so, you know, JavaScript's become that kind of language, right? That people yeah. literally are playing jokes with it now. Yeah, it's fun. That's great. Fun stuff. So rather than tell a joke, I figured you'd, you could play a joke on your 
your spouse or your friend or whatever, your boss, you know, go ahead, plug that in and just walk away. And then the windows are flying all over the place. (laughs) Images, rather. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Who's talking to us, Richard? I grabbed a comment off of show 855, and that's the one we did with Jeff Fritz, another Telericker. Yep. uh, The one where he talked about how there's one ASP.NET. Everything works together. And this comment comes from uh, Tom Hartnett, who says, This was a really great episode. It was great to hear about the current state of web forms versus MVC installs and jobs. Also, I was surprised and delighted to hear that you could, if you wanted to, introduce MVC into an existing web forms website. Jeff mentioned that you would have to ensure the routing worked properly, mm-hmm. but it should be possible. As someone who maintains a very large web forms website solution, this was encouraging news. I was aware that Visual Studio uses the .NET SDK command line tools under the hood to do build source and that project templates such as the MVC website template are just that templates to help the developer quickly build solutions. But I honestly was not aware that MVC could be introduced to an existing web forms website. Mm. Very interesting. And thank you very much. Yeah, Tom, you are welcome. We are happy to bring smart people on the show to teach you things. That's what this place is all about. That's what we do. We're happy to do it. And yeah, it's great to have one ASP.net. That's good news. So a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We make them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8. And those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises, who'd love to build you an app. Just go to diatomenterprises.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts. They release over 40 new courses a month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access to their library. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including iOS, Java, Android, web development, and pretty much anything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, including extensive Windows 8 coverage. Pluralsight has coverage of HTML5 and CSS3 development topics as well. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let us welcome back to the show Todd Anglin. Todd is Executive Vice President of Cross-Platform Tools and Services for Telerik, a provider of tools and solutions for web, desktop, and mobile application development, and also the primary sponsor of .NET Rocks. In his role, Todd is responsible for teams focused on cross-platform solutions, which include the company's popular HTML JavaScript framework, Kendo UI, as well as iCinium, the easiest way to build hybrid mobile apps. Welcome, Todd. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me back. Always fun to talk to you, man. And and I think the last time was when we did that makeup show from their disaster on the road trip. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad we were able to actually make that up. And I'm glad the second one actually uh, worked. I'm glad we didn't have to do a, a third try on that. <laughs> yeah. Real real professionals here. We're all, all professionals. Yeah, sometimes on the road, stuff breaks. And on that particular road trip, stuff broke a few times. Yeah, we, <laughs> we were hard on those shows. Uh, so we understand you're here to tell us something. Yeah, we've got a lot of uh, exciting things happening at Telerik. Obviously, um, always moving, always busy happenings at Telerik these days. But uh, we just had a pretty exciting release for Icenium, uh, which I know you mentioned in my intro. And I think the .NET audience in particular is really going to like what we've just done. We've introduced some pretty important things to make cross-platform mobile development even easier for them. Well, you said it's this is hybrid mobile apps. So as opposed to... Uh, native mobile apps, this is the hybrid solution. So this is the uh, phone gap sort of what phone gap started going in that direction. So right. tell us what I 
tell us what Icinium does, and and then tell us what your new uh, your new your new version does. Sure. So I think it's useful just since you highlighted it that you know hybrid is one of sort of three primary ways you can build mobile applications. The the ways people tend to think of are either web, which everybody is familiar with, native, which is very obvious. You use native SDKs for each platform. Uh, or hybrid to build mobile apps. And hybrid sort of blends a little bit of the value and the reach of web with the power of native applications. And one of the most popular hybrid uh, containers out there today is something called Apache Cordova, otherwise known as PhoneGap, which is, uh, of course, Adobe's trademark now. And Icenium, what it does is it helps people building apps in that middle category, those hybrid apps. And it does that by simplifying and abstracting all of the effort usually associated with setting up and building hybrid apps to reach multiple platforms. And what a lot of people don't often realize is that even when you choose hybrid application development, which relies on things like HTML and JavaScript to build your application UI and your application logic, you still ultimately have to build hybrid application packages for every device you want to target. So that means you have an iOS hybrid package, an Android hybrid package, And by default, that also means you need a Mac and Xcode to build for iOS, and you need uh, the Android SDKs and perhaps you know Eclipse or something else to build for Android. Right. And and so every every one of those platforms needs a shim, kind of a native thing to a native container to host your app in. Exactly. Even though the app itself is built in HTML and JavaScript. Right. And those shims essentially are just actual native applications. The relatively simple native applications, they just host essentially a full screen uh, web view, if you will, sort of a a browser without any of the browser Chrome around it. Um, Right, we used to, like in the old days of VB, we used to take a a web browser control and put it on a Windows form and boom, we've got an instant, you know, web enabled application. Right, nothing nothing old, or everything old is new again in uh, in mobile, I I would say. Uh, In fact, we even see, just sort of as a side note, we're starting to see some of that technique come back to desktop, which might be something to talk about uh, a little bit later. But in the mobile space with hybrid, this reality that you have these native application packages for some people becomes a problem when they start to embrace hybrid. So let's say you're a traditional Windows.NET developer, you love Visual Studio, you're building your applications, now you need to build for mobile. Well, market share says that your platforms that you're going to target most likely include iOS and Android. So you do some research, mm-hmm. you figure out hybrid's going to help you reuse some skills you already have, perhaps that JavaScript you know, either as a web developer or um, you know, as, as maybe you went to the f- tiny URL and you now know JavaScript because the images are flying around your screen. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> however you learn JavaScript, it's more familiar than a lot of languages. And now you want to take those skills and let's say you go to iOS and you want to build an iOS app. Well, you've instantly hit a problem because even though you could write the code and you could test the code in your browser and write it in Visual Studio, to ultimately build and put that app on your iPhone or on your iPad, you need a Mac. And that it's a problem for a lot of developers. They don't have Mac sitting right next to them if they're traditionally doing a lot of Windows and .NET development. So what Icenium does is okay. Icenium says, hey, hybrid's got a great promise. One code base across multiple platforms. How can we now take away the other challenge hybrid presents of needing multiple ways of building that one code base? And so Icenium pushes all of those requirements up into the cloud. And so what we'll do for a developer is take that code base build the apps for iOS, for Android, and help them deploy them directly onto the device and basically make the whole process of hybrid application development super easy and super productive. You can make quick changes, see them on the device, see them in a simulator. It's it's a really fun thing to do once you get your hands on it. 
So you have Macs in the cloud and Java machines in the cloud, and you're building that stuff all behind the scenes for us. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that was one of the, the unique challenges we faced early on when we were building Icenium uh, last year, maybe even a, a couple of years ago, is we needed a way to build on Macs in the cloud. And as you might guess, Amazon's cloud and a lot of the other traditional big cloud vendors don't exactly have Macs sitting uh, sitting in their scalable right. cloud infrastructure. So we actually had to work with Rackspace. Yeah, is there any... I don't think there's such a thing as a Mac VM. That's an interesting idea. Why doesn't that exist? It, it actually, as far as I understand... Yeah, I'm, I'm no expert, but I think it is actually just simply licensing of OSX, um, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. They don't like that. They don't like VMs at all. They like Windows VMs on a Mac. They don't like Mac VMs on anything. Because they don't make virtual money off of a virtual operating system, which uh, That's right. doesn't sell on hardware, I think is the their bottom line. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's a challenge for us, because absolutely, you don't have VMs you can put out on the big clouds. And so we, we have a good working relationship with work, with Rackspace. Telerik does a lot with Rackspace. And so we actually oh, great. partnered with them and uh, managed to get Macs into our cloud infrastructure. So we do have Macs out there wow. that we can do the builds and deploys on for iOS. And that gives uh, developers a distinct advantage. We manage all that for them. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, so, so that's what Icinium does. And we've talked about it a couple of times on the show. But now there's something... New. Right. So up until now, Icenium has been all about how do we help you quickly get into hybrid mobile development, cross-platform mobile development, and quickly be successful. So if you're familiar at all with Icenium today, you'll know there are two primary ways you can build apps using Icenium. The desktop-based editor called Icenium Graphite and a web, basically cloud-based code editor called Icenium Mist. And these are some pretty compelling development environments. They have simulators for your mobile apps. They uh, have great IntelliSense. They have the uh, ability to connect devices, help you deploy your apps to devices. And we've invested a lot of time and energy into making it super simple for you to, again, just get started and be successful for the explicit task of doing uh, mobile application development. In fact, uh, our last release, I don't know how many people have checked it out yet, uh, introduced a complete visual designer for building mobile apps. You now have this really neat drag-and-drop experience for building mobile applications visually, uh, and that also leverages Telerik's Kendo UI Mobile, uh, as you might expect. Yep. I've used it. It's pretty cool. But we know a few things about developers. We know developers have certain tools they love, certain tools that even when they see other tools they like, they just can't give up that tool that they love. Uh, and so we want to address one of the biggest audiences that obviously we deal with, and that is the .NET developer who loves and works every day inside of Visual Studio. And Visual Studio, yes, yeah. yes, there's a few of, the, few of those people Studio. out there. <laughs> uh, you have Icinium in support in Visual Studio. That's exactly right. So what we've done Woo! is brought the entire power of Visual Studio. Or, I'm sorry, the entire power of Icenium directly into the Visual Studio environment. And that actually means a lot of different things, which is why it's taken us a while to really get it out the door. But um, it's more than just the build in the cloud. Um, when we talk about the Icenium experience, we mentioned the simulators, the publishing experience, publishing to the app stores, uh, something we call Live Sync, which is the ability to see changes on devices as you make changes in your code. And we brought all yeah. of that into Visual Studio right where you're working. So you can reuse all of your existing plugins, you can use your existing themes, and then have all this extra great stuff for building cross-platform mobile apps. Wow, so that's fantastic. So the is there an Icenium project template, I take it? Yeah, absolutely. So developers who add this will be able to go file new Icenium uh, cross-platform mobile project. There'll be a template there, fire it up. 
and it'll integrate right into the Solution Explorer right next to all their other projects, and they'll be able to jump right into building those cross-platform mobile apps. Okay, so what does that look like? Do you have just a just a start with an HTML page with JavaScript, and you just go to town with that? Yeah, so in fact, the starting experience for the app itself will look a lot like what you might find if you were to have started a project in Icenium Mist or Icenium Graphite. And we try to give you a, a basic starting point for a cross-platform mobile app that highlights some of the core concepts. So it's got some views, mm-hmm. it's got some navigation. Uh, in fact, if you start a new project in Icenium, you'll find that we have a number of templates. So you can sort of jumpstart okay. a cross-platform mobile app with Kendall UI Mobile. You can jumpstart a cross-platform okay. mobile app with jQuery Mobile, or even just a blank template if you want to do it all from scratch. And so we give you those same options okay. in Visual Studio to get you into it and going, and you don't have to just kind of figure out from a, a blank page where, what to do next. Okay, it, and do you have a book? You said a number of views. So you have views for different form factors of screen sizes and that kind of thing? Yeah, it, you know, and it's an interesting question you raise here because um, it sort of takes us down a line of thinking where there are some solutions to cross platform mobile apps which are, are more about configuration. That is, developers are asked to do some configuration of uh, various properties, and then an app is more or less auto generated. And Icenium is more about giving developers control and flexibility. So it's a true developer product in the sense that developers can essentially do whatever they want to do inside of their cross-platform mobile app. We'll help them get started with some common templates that introduce the idea of views and navigation. But it is a real powerful developer environment, which means you can bring in any library you want. You can build tablet apps. You can build phone-targeted apps. Uh, it really is sort of open to the developer's needs, and we think that's a, a powerful proposition. Now, Kendo UI, which I think you're involved with, is, we've talked about many times on the show before, Sure, uh, builds great mobile web apps. In fact, I, I think you're Ken, correct me if I'm wrong, the controls even change their styling depending on the kind of phone you're accessing the page yeah. on. Right, absolutely. So how does that tie in? I guess now, so I'm already working in studio using Kendo UI to build this mobile website. And now you're bringing Icinium into the equation as well. So I can get this sort of the hybrid option. What does that look like? And and, what's the motivation there? Sure. You know, it's it's an interesting thing we've observed over the last year with Kendo UI as well. Um, When we set out to build Kendo UI mobile, our original thinking was around sort of the hybrid app concept because we want to allow HTML and JavaScript to produce native-like mobile experiences, which is why when you saw Kendo UI mm-hmm. Mobile, you saw it adapt between iOS and Android and Windows Phone and mm-hmm. BlackBerry even, and it embraced the native look and feel of those platforms because we really wanted to show you can do native mobile experiences using HTML and JavaScript, and that's gotten better and better over time. Right. But one of the pieces of feedback we kept getting from developers was, we love the look and feel, we love the functionality, but how do I use this with ASP.NET MVC? Or how do I use this with PHP? And what we realized that while a lot of people wanted that mobile look and feel, they still were more or less interested in building websites, mobile websites, as opposed to mobile apps. Right. And so what, what that really means is that there are a lot of people trying to say today there's one way to build mobile apps or trying to define what that one way is, like sure. all web or all hybrid or all native or something in between. And the reality is, I think, for a lot of developers, just as it's been for desktop forever, you're going to use different techniques depending on an app's requirements. Mm. Some apps are perfectly served by web. And Kendo UI, whether it's Kendo UI Web and Dataviz or Kendo UI Mobile, is perfectly suited to help developers go after those mobile web scenarios. But web has limits. 
web can't be installed, web can't be deployed through app stores, mm -hmm. web can't access a lot of a device's uh, sensors or yep. direct native SDKs. And when you hit those limits, that's when hybrid becomes a really attractive option because you can more or less move all of that code you built for web into a hybrid application container and then access a whole nother level of device capability because those hybrid containers we mentioned, in addition to being little native wrappers, they also create a bridge into a device's native capabilities. So, so you, now you can access the camera or something like so that. So what you're saying is you could start with a, with a completely done Kendo UI mobile app and now just add, you just copy and paste, bring in those files, build it, and you've got an app. And then access, go ahead and add the code to access those those uh, sensors and things. Yeah, you totally could. Now, of course, you know, any developer, you know, before anybody calls BS on me on this, you know, mm -hmm. anybody knows that if you've built, depends a lot on how you've built that web application. Right. If you've built the kind of web application which requires a, a return trip to a server to get more HTML after each action, well, you could put that in that hybrid application container, but... For that hybrid app to work at that point, it's going to always need to have an internet connection so it can talk to the server and, and load the views. So the way a lot of people like to build hybrid applications is to use what's very popular now, the SPA, or single-page application-style architecture, which means it's still HTML and JavaScript. It's still um, running in that web context, but you don't need to go to the server to load views or HTML. You really only have to talk to the server to load or persist data. So if that's what you've pursued on the website, that goes straight into a hybrid container, basically unchanged. If you've built a web experience, which is more about links and loading pages, that can go into hybrid, but you may be encouraged to sort of re-architect some of it at least to be more like a spa or a single-page application so that it can work in that sometimes connected scenario when the internet's not available. Right. Yeah, what happens to a link if it's running inside of Icinium? Uh, links behave the way you might expect them to. Now, uh, if you're linking out to a different URL, there are plugins in hybrid, and plugins make up a big part of the hybrid story because they actually allow you to bring in other native capabilities um, beyond just things like access to APIs. Plugins are what allow you to, for instance, load a child browser inside of your app, which many native apps do. So if you have the child browser plugin in your Icenium app and you click a link that navigates out and across to a different domain, you can use that child browser plugin to then load that content within the context of your application. And when somebody closes it, go back to the context of your app. Uh, and plugins actually, since you brought them up, are such a big deal in hybrid. Um, and we were actually pretty proud of our accomplishment earlier this year with Icenium to be one of the first to allow developers to use any custom plugin or any arbitrary plugin in Icenium in our cloud build environment. And nice. so that means if you hit a limit, basically you can solve it. As long as you can get a plugin, Icenium can take it, digest it, build it, and put it into your application. So, and you can write your own plugins and push them up. Exactly. And the cool thing is a plugin is just native code. So anything you can do in native code for iOS or for Android or any supported platform, right. you can do in a plugin and then expose that to your hybrid application. Wow. Yeah, it really does take away all the limitations on that. Hmm. Yeah. And, you know, what we want to do, of course, is make it even easier for people to find the plugins they need. And I think over time, plugins certainly are one of the areas where we need more maturity. There's a lot of them out there today, but right. of, nobody's done a great job yet of really curating them and bringing them all together and vetting them for quality. Uh, but for the core things like camera or uh, barcode scanner or, you know, maps, those kind of things, there's a lot of plugins out there. So it's really easy to 
add those sort of native escape hatches when you absolutely need it and still do the bulk of your application in that reusable one code base powered by JavaScript. Now, because your code is running essentially JavaScript code, right? You're, it's not compiled, so you still do have to worry about you know, performance in, in the, as far as JavaScript is concerned, just as you would as if it was a web app, right? Yeah, performance is certainly one of those things that comes up a lot in hybrid. Um, I, I think we, we're doing some initiatives right now to actually kind of address that. And a lot of it just comes down to how well you write your code. Mm. As it turns out, and some of our research, and we've done a lot of research in this for Kendo UI Mobile as we've made it better and faster, the most common performance bottlenecks on devices today aren't often in the JavaScript. JavaScript actually runs pretty quick for the mm-hmm. kinds of things we're normally doing on a device. Yeah. Uh, the bottleneck is usually in the rendering uh, engine. So when you have lots of complex CSS and that CSS is moving, that task on the mobile device to move that complex CSS, re-render it, and run your JavaScript is usually where you introduce what is often being referred to now as jank. You, you see jank? drop frames, jank. Jank busting, jank <laughs> is a, a new term all the cool kids are using. That's funny. Uh, but it basically is what we used to say when an app stops looking fluid, stops looking natural on device, um, and the common culprit is usually rendering in CSS, yeah. more so than often JavaScript. Ah, interesting. So one other thing that I think is pretty cool, I'll, I'll add here, because I think a lot of developers will like this too. While we've had Isenium in the cloud and all these other things, um, we've also had a constraint where you had to use the source control in Isenium, which is, uh, of course, Git-based, uh, you could connect it to GitHub, and that was a very popular option for people to connect their source to GitHub. But we know a lot of people, particularly people in companies or businesses with extra sensitive security policies, want more control over their source code. So in addition to bringing Isenium into Visual Studio, this is at the same time our chance to make Isenium more modular. And so you can now actually use Isenium with any source control provider, including things like Dropbox or TFS or just a folder on your file system. Wow. Uh, and use it offline. Because the code lives on your computer, you can do all your development offline. Of course, you can't do new cloud builds while you're offline, but you can work with your code, persist it to your source control provider. And that's a a cool side effect or benefit of this move to making Isenium available in a Visual Studio is you now have that extra degree of flexibility as well. Wow, that's great. It's very, very cool. Yeah, very cool. So what was the big challenge in getting it in Visual Studio? Well, I think anybody who's done uh, Visual Studio integration knows that it, it takes a little bit of time, it takes a little bit of effort, not the easiest thing in the world to do. So it takes some experts. Um, and and uh, as the team started out, the team was really an expert in in mobile development, experts in this cloud-based build, build system. So we had to get the right people on the team, of course, to really understand how to do the Visual Studio integration. And then as it is with any new product, it was just a matter of timing. You know, we, we wanted to make sure we nailed how you could do iOS and Android cross-platform development. We really wanted to get the live sync capabilities and the custom plugin capabilities into the product. And Visual Studio was always on the roadmap. It just sort of, as the way things stacked up, took us till now to get it out. But we're excited to start here, and we're certainly not stopping here. You know, we know Visual Studio is one of the most popular IDEs in the world, so that's why we went there first. But we also want to enable people who are, let's say, Sublime Text fans or uh, Eclipse fans to have similar opportunity to use Isenium without disrupting their existing workflows. So that's sort of the philosophy behind where we're headed. Uh, Adobe and PhoneGap in general talked about this being sort of a temporary path 
that phone gap would start out, would just fill the gap between going purely the native HTML all the time uh, until it was actually, everything was accessible through HTML. Do you still see that as true? Because it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. You know, it could be true because you can certainly see signs of it today. Things like Chrome OS are uh, good examples of pioneers trying to make the native HTML and JavaScript runtime mm-hmm. uh, the first class citizen as opposed to needing some intermediate layer. In fact, there are a number of examples today. BlackBerry OS, Chrome OS, uh, Tizen. Uh, I'm sure there's a handful I'm just forgetting offhand. Even Windows 8, I suppose, for that matter, to some extent. Um and so there are clearly lots of people working on that challenge of how do you promote JavaScript and HTML to a first-class citizen? How do you give it power while also keeping it secure? How do you standardize the packaging? But given the state of the industry today, I would say true consolidation, true standardization is probably years away. And so just as jQuery helped us solve the, the differences between browser APIs, and you could argue today in many cases jQuery is not really needed um, because browsers have become so consistent, I think PhoneGap or Apache Cordova will provide that layer of consistency between devices. Even as other HTML devices come online, I think it'll give us that abstraction that helps us maintain one code base that does run on all these different environments that we'll be dealing with for years to come. Yeah, and I just don't feel like the browsers are all that consistent. You know, different browsers, they they, they feel like they're frag- continuing to fragment. They've, we're all pushing in different directions here. And that'll never stop, I don't think. Well, we don't want it to stop. I mean, that the fragmentation is painful, but it is also the sign of a healthy and continuing to evolve technology. You know, we we had a period of time when the browsers weren't really uh, de- weren't really fragmenting, weren't really changing. That period of time was known as Windows XP and yeah. IE6. Yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> that was that was a great time for the web. <laughs> um, so change is good for the web. It drives it forward. It forces us to keep on our toes and uh, you know keep challenging ourselves to find new ways to do things. Uh, but I think that while there are these inconsistencies, there's a new level of commitment across the browsers to standards. And so, yes, Chrome and Google, you know, kind of going off with Blink, you know, in the open way and IE 11 and Microsoft are being more committed to standards and the IE process. Um, so some of it you could say is just semantics, but at the end of the day, I'm hopeful at least that there'll be this sort of ebb and flow of being in sync and out of sync, but we're all kind of moving in the right direction together. And I think overall that's healthy for the platform. Hey, Richard, guess what time it is? Oh, it must be that happy time again. You guessed it. It's time to hit the spa and soak my Icinium. (laughs) Jeez. Help me. Help me. I have pun damage. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about DevCraft for Q2 2013. The 10 new controls and over 250 new features across all six of their UI control suites allow you to cover more scenarios right out of the box. Tile list for AJAX, calendar, data storage, touch, and more for Windows 8, as well as offline cloud data synchronization for Windows Phone and cloud mobile backbone as a service are just a few of the major new things. The newly introduced graph interactivity support and Telerik reporting helps you create even more interactive reports. JustCode's new integration with Just Decompile allows you to debug third-party libraries without having the source code. Check it out at Telerik.com, and don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Absolutely. Who's our winner today, bud? Our winner today is Syrian Rorty. Congratulations, Syrian. I got my golf clapper for you. 
Awesome. And he's going to get all that uh, Q2 goodness, too, in his DevCraft Complete. Absolutely. That's everything that Telerik does in one box. And we give one away in every show to one member of the .NET Rocks fan club. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members. And uh, every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. And uh, we'd like to ask our guest, Todd, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology, what would you buy? Uh, it may come as no surprise to people who know me well, but I'd probably pick up one of those new trash can Mac Pros uh, to complement my other Mac Pro here that we're recording on today. Uh, that nice. machine is I'm gorgeous. a sucker, sucker for good-looking technology. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, nothing Beautiful. like, you know, Macs have always done a good, like, I remember the transparent Mac, although it overheated, but it was sure. gorgeous for a geek. But this cylinder Mac, they've outdone themselves. It's awesome. Yeah, and I understand the complaints but uh, about practicality, but, you know, there's a lot of things that you spend money on that aren't practical, and I'm willing to do that in the space <laughs> of technology. <laughs> well, I'd also say this, PCs, and Macs are still PCs, have been too practical for too long. Sure. I don't need another beige case in my life. I'm quite done with that. Thanks for playing. So give me something that looks good. Like take it up a notch. And I think that's what Apple did with that machine. Absolutely. So Todd, tell me the the list, the grand list of all of the platforms that you can target with one project using Asinium. Sure. So today Asinium supports what makes up sort of what 90 Five ninety six, ninety seven percent of the mobile industry, which is of course iOS and Android. Uh, we have it on our roadmap to add this year Windows Phone support. So that's something we know that particularly for this audience and for .NET developers, there's a slightly higher than average interest in Windows Phone. But the reality is, you know, when we started doing cross platform development, there was sort of this sense of oh, people need to build apps for like all these different platforms. And for mm -hmm. better or worse, it seems that really rapidly the mobile uh, cross-platform mobile devices that matter are iOS, Android, and then maybe something else. And it's a really, and maybe. And so we think for right now, developers interested in getting in mobile development are probably going to start in iOS and Android and then add those other yeah. platforms once those projects have been successful. And we're going to be continuing to add platforms to Icenium over time so that we're ready when those developers are ready. But today you can target so, iOS and Android. Well, I wonder if you have um, something in Icenium you know how easy it would be to create a uh, uh, a Windows 8 app using the WinJS solution because you're essentially using a lot of the same tools. Your UI may not look the same, but um, for that matter, you're not doing any real UI with Icinium, are you? I mean, sure. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm trying to imagine how it works, but you're you know when you build your stuff in the uh, in the cloud, you're aren't you making the UI look like the particular platform? Well, when we do our builds, we're essentially taking whatever the developer has chosen to do and then packaging it up. So some developers, let's say working with Kendo UI mobile, may choose to use that adaptive UI that we offer. So it looks like iOS on iOS and Android on Android. Uh, one of our last releases for Kendo UI mobile, though, introduced a new theme called the flat UI theme. And the flat UI theme yeah. actually embraces this new trend of something that we refer to as app identity. And app identity is the thought that it's important for your app to 
embrace certain aspects of various platforms like UX conventions, but also maintain a relatively consistent look and feel, whether it's iOS or Android or Windows Phone, even when it runs against some of the typical platform conventions, so that a user who picks up your app on any device, let's say I'm an iOS user today and I get an Android phone tomorrow, that they already more or less recognize your app and know how to use it. So there's sort of a backlash against doing it differently everywhere, um, or maybe I should say backlash, but a new line of thinking which suggests maybe there's a benefit to making apps that look the same everywhere, even when it runs against some of the yeah. typical platform conventions. In Windows 8, it's... Well, it's interesting. iOS 7, you know, is looking more and more like Windows Phone every day, isn't it? Yeah, th- there seems to be this convergence on uh, on flat UI across platforms, so that helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, but Windows 8 and WinJS are sort of in the same category as a lot of those other platforms like Chrome OS or um, even Firefox OS in that once you've built a hybrid application using HTML and JavaScript, some of it will probably be tailored to specific devices, especially the HTML if you want to make your app look and feel like a, let's say, Windows 8 uh, app. But a lot of the JavaScript, the application layer stuff, is totally reusable. You can totally take the stuff that talks to your web services, that loads data, that does this and that. That stuff should totally travel between platforms with basically no need to make any changes. Uh, and if you're using an abstraction layer, something like PhoneGap or something like um, some of the other libraries that have come out, you can even further abstract your code so that it will just work into the native device capabilities without needing to make any change to your code base. So even though Isenium doesn't package it today, you could very easily build that application, get all of your application logic mm-hmm. in there, and then completely reuse it in a Windows 8 app. And with the Visual Studio integration, that's even easier to do with linked files and solutions that have multiple projects. And what about Windows Phone 8? Where does it leave us with there? Windows Phone 8 uh, doesn't yet obviously have the native Win 8 um, or the native WinJS HTML story, but it is a supported platform by Apache Cordova PhoneGap. So uh, our plan, of course, is to add Windows Phone 8 support to Icenium. So it'll just become one of the other platforms you can target with those cloud builds. Uh, and right. you know, so they'll just extend the story there. Of course, as we talked about early on, Telerik is very much of the mindset that some apps are native, some apps are hybrid, some apps are web. Sure. And uh, you find that we have tools across that category today. So we have those native tools for Windows Phone apps. So if you do need to build native apps for Windows Phone today, we also have that, that option hanging out there. So it's very cool. We have solutions from, uh, you know, for, for native and uh, on the web and hybrid story, you guys are sort of at the forefront there. Yeah, and we think this is a new way of thinking about the industry. I mean, again, I think a lot of people have tried to take a approach of saying there's one way to do it. All your apps must be native. All your apps must be hybrid. And we just think there's just no sense to that. I mean, desktop applications have shown us, or let's just say desktop development has shown us over 15, 20, 25 years that there's always a mix of needs based on the requirements of an app. And you would totally waste time and money trying to do some things, let's say, native WPF, that are just as easily done and delivered over, let's say, ASP.NET MVC. And we think the same applies to mobile, which is why we're taking this approach of building a solid set of tools across the various approaches. And we think for hybrid, at least, particularly with Hysenium today, not only is it a very innovative and cool tool, now it's right there in the workflow that .NET developers love in Visual Studio. And we're pretty excited to see what people can build with it and, and start to hear the feedback that people have once they get their hands on. So what about tablet development? I mean, I know we talked a little bit about Win 8, but tablet development in general, cross-platform tablet development, I think is a whole other thing. 
Well, it's a different form factor for sure. And, you know, when we talk about the problems that have disrupted software development today, certainly not only the platforms, but also the form factors. And tablets are sort of the next step, but you could project even further out that there are other form factors uh, that will be equally challenging to address. The technique actually for solving the problem remains the same. The phone gap Cordova wrappers, the hybrid approach works just as well on tablets as it does on phone devices. Uh, but for a developer, the need to think a little bit differently about how you target that form factor certainly adds another layer to the design process of an application, at least at the UI. I mean, the code probably more or less will be the same, but you do have to rethink that UX a little bit and how you'll adapt it for that larger screen. Yeah, part of me is thinking, how, how much can I do in one code base and when do I want to split it up? I mean, I love the idea that I have one code base covers all phones. That's Icinium. But can I have one code base covers all phones and tablets? That seems like a, maybe it's a bridge too far. Well, it depends on what we mean when we say code base. I would uh, totally agree uh, that so, there's some stretch of the idea that you can create one code base from application logic to UI. And you see some people sort of make this attempt with responsive web design and sort of taking that responsive concept to an extreme, which suggests that one HTML, that one CSS will automatically adapt and relay out and do all the stuff across all these different form factors and screen sizes. Right. And, and that may work if your application is simple enough, but I sort of subscribe to the idea that the real thing that's reusable is the application logic. So the right. way, let's say, you fetch users from a web service and then feed them into the HTML. But to really have great experiences on significantly different form factors, tablets, phones, and everything else, you probably do want to spend time creating custom HTML, custom CSS, targeting those form factors, or at least those categories, and then you can reuse all that application logic. I don't think you have to rewrite your JavaScript for every app, but you probably to build great experiences, need to think about the HTML and CSS. Which is basically you accepting a certain amount of if iPad, if WinPhone code. Uh, you, that, it's certainly approach. I, I think you could also conceivably make, um, you could separate it out more physically in your project as well. I think there are a mm -hmm. lot of different absolute techniques for how you do it. Um, but this is why UI is so strategic now. When we think about the Windows days, UI was important, and obviously Telerik has built um, quite a business around helping developers with UI over the last sure. decade. Uh, but in Windows days, you were primarily building software for desktop computers with keyboards and mice, and yeah. uh, and they didn't go anywhere. <laughs> They're just well, static you had the devices. battleship gray UI paradigm that was pretty, you know, that was enforced by the controls provided by organizations like Telerik. Like he helped you build that look. Absolutely. And so you may more or less always had one UI. You had one app, one UI. Right. Now, when you have multiple devices, let's say that one app now has mobile counterparts that travel with your users. One app now can have five different UIs, the desktop, the web, the tablet, the phone, the iOS, the Android, the Windows phone. So UI has suddenly ballooned to be a much larger portion of the problem for any new app being built, and really even for legacy apps that now need to adapt to this mobile workforce. I think that is why, um, why there's so much conversation around UI today and why solutions like Kendo UI Mobile and Icenium are so critical because the UI challenge is a much more significant part of the app building problem than it was uh, maybe even five years ago. Oh, for sure. And I, and I, and I don't want to... The other part of this is, like, what if we could manage it at the build level? That when I kick off a build... It's actually maybe building six, seven different projects here, all from a common code base, but picking up those views and, and different UI elements based on the build for the different devices. 
Totally. And you know, I can imagine, I've not done it myself, but I don't see any reason why you couldn't, using Icenium's new Visual Studio integration, have a solution that has multiple projects in it, and either by linked files in Visual Studio, so you're linking yeah. those JavaScript files into other projects, have separate projects for each target UI category where you want to make distinct uh, variations, and then just reuse that application code from one source. I think, actually, Visual Studio is a great candidate for making that an easier thing to do. And you, and you get that all I'm trying to do is avoid cutting and pasting codes between the projects. Absolutely. Like, Nobody as, wants that. That's totally... As soon as I'm there, I'm in hell. Because think about the challenge, and this is the thing people don't think about. Even, Carl, when you mentioned the idea of Windows phone developers are, can hack C-sharp all day, we need help getting to iOS and Android. Right. But the challenge, of course, is that once you get there, now you have to maintain what you've got there. And so you know, the idea that, okay, I'm going to go learn Objective-C, now I'm going to learn Java. Okay, now I know how to build native apps in Windows phone iOS and um, for Android and Java, I built it, I've shipped it. Each incremental feature you now add after that has to be done in three different languages in three different places. Each bug has to be triaged separately. Right. Skill sets have to be maintained. So it's not just the initial problem, which is why these single code-based applications are so interesting, I think, to a lot of companies, because it's a long-term cost for applications now if you have to build and then maintain distinct code bases, particularly with different coding skills involved um, over the life of the app. And it's really something that one developer can do versus three. Uh, well, I mean, you could. I mean, it depends, right? And I think one of the things that even we've observed as a challenge in Telerik is um, you tend to not have an even distribution of skills. <laughs> so, you know, you got either a, a bunch of great .NET guys or at the wrong time, you have a bunch of great HTML5 guys or a bunch of great iOS. And so if you build an app that has different uh, technologies involved, you know, that's going to become a real staffing challenge. Right. If you're a single developer, of course, you can maintain your skills a little bit easier in, in what you target. But either way, I think what we're saying is it's complex. And so you need tools that help mitigate some of this complexity if you're going to be successful. Now, what about the, the rapidly changing uh, JavaScript libraries that we're, we're counting on? I mean, that problem doesn't get any better just because we're using it in the cloud to build native apps. Well, you always want to make sure you pick good libraries. I mean, libraries are, are partners to your application's code base. And a lot of people have always challenged Telerik in the past, um, particularly as we've done things like Kendo UI, to say, hey, Kendo UI, hey, Telerik, why didn't you go adopt popular open source library B right. uh, to, instead of going and building your own thing inside of Kendo UI? And our response generally is because we didn't write popular library B. Yep. And so if there's a bug in popular library B, we can't support you. And we'd yep. rather build something that we can support and we can evolve and make better for you as you need it to be evolved. And I think... Um, and on behalf of all Kendo UI users everywhere, thank you for doing that because that was the right choice. We appreciate that. You know, and we'll make it easy if, as possible for you to integrate those libraries. We just can't support them. Uh, and so I think the same goes for hybrid applications and choosing libraries. You've got to choose libraries which you can trust, which are um, either supported or that you don't mind supporting in the case of open source libraries, and just choose them uh, judiciously. But by and large, most libraries that are out there that are reputable, like jQuery and others, um, AngularJS, of course, very popular today, are good candidates for use in hybrid apps. Yeah, it's an interesting dance here. And I think you make a good case for, especially when I'm, when I'm thinking about enterprise development and, and I need to support these multiple platforms. Like there's just no reason to pay the penalty for straight native development. Uh, I just got to be, it's, I, what I'm trying to measure and because it's, I've turned into a manager somewhere along the line is <laughs> what is the additional cost of new features per platform in this model? 
And I think it's that seems to me to be one of the strongest arguments for the hybrid solution. The problem, of of course, yeah, I mean, just to to dovetail off of that briefly, we used to think that, well, how do you solve this problem? You just tell employees, this is the device you're going to use. And so so now there's one platform because we've picked it. But sort of... Unfortunately for businesses, software developers, the bring your own device policy has been embraced by IT at the same time, in part to reduce costs, in part because consumers demand it. Uh, So now what we see is Gartner research showing that the average CIO is already reporting that they support uh, three and a half different mobile platforms within their environments um, on aggregate, and they expect that number to grow. So even I presume that half platform is BlackBerry. Yeah, yeah, right. right. (laughs) Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. I thought Um, you were Canadian. Um, Don't you have to carry the flag? <laughs> well, we shouldn't. We should talk. You know, Windows Phone is pretty pretty low too. Yeah. <laughs> but the reality is that companies that are the place where you thought, if anywhere, we could say we're picking a platform, we don't have to deal with this multi-platform complexity, have already given in and basically said, nope, we're going to be multi-platform because we're bring your own device, and we just need to deal with that reality and figure out how to build for it. Um, which is interesting. It's a big change at the same time. Yeah, it's very, very interesting because, you know, I was and I was going to continue to say you can't argue with the cost per platform support for a pure web solution either, although it's it's hidden stuff breaks sometimes like it's not always obvious that that the web is not completely cross platform. Sure. And, you know, the web's biggest challenge has always been cross browser. So I think, right. you know, if you if you relate the cross browser debugging and building challenges similar to the costs of cross-platform with hybrid in particular, um, there's certainly no, I think this is true for any technology, there's no silver bullet. You know, Everything's yeah. going to have its downsides. And it's about being able to marry the right approach to the right application. Know your requirements, know your skill sets, and optimize how you use web, hybrid, native for the various apps you're building. Todd, are there any apps that we can download in the iOS or Android stores that were built with Icenium we could check out? Yeah, there's a lot of great apps out there today. Of course, you know, one of the things that I always tell people because, you know, sometimes people wonder why there's not more apps out there. So a lot of the kind of customers that we're helping, a lot of the kind of people listening to this show, in fact, are building apps that go into their internal environments, you know, to mm. their co- corporate users. So they don't show up as consumer apps on consumer app stores. And frankly, if you were to ask my advice, I think that a lot of consumer apps do make good candidates for native application development, which may surprise some people. Mm. Uh, much in the same way that a company has one giant .com, which is consumer-facing, they have a hundred internal-facing websites, which are not that big .com. And I think same kind of applies with mobile apps. You've got that one big consumer app and maybe a hundred internal apps. And so uh, Icenium and Hybrid, I think, do lend themselves a lot to that portfolio of applications challenge. But in the public app stores, we have some pretty cool examples. In fact, one guy who's uh, now a Icenium developer advocate, Rob Lauer, uh, he works at the University of Wisconsin, and he built and published the Game Day application for UW, which all those Badger fans uh, are using every weekend right now for college football. And so if you go out there and look for the University of Wisconsin app, you'll find uh, a pretty cool example of something that's out there. Wow, cool. And Icenium.com, it's I-C-E, like ice, N-I-U-M.com. Uh, we'll get you started, it looks like. And uh, what's the what's the the offer there? There's like a a free get free for thirty days offer or something. Yeah, absolutely. You can get started and get that app on your phone in five minutes. Just go out there, sign up. It's free for thirty days. Get started if you want in Icenium Mist right there in the browser. No software installs, no downloads. And if you like what you do as you get started there, you'll actually be able to take that project from Mist 
and load it right up inside Visual Studio. So if that's the direction you want to go, then that's uh, going to be super easy for you to so do. So real quick, how does it get onto my Android phone or my iPhone from, from the cloud? Do I have to go through sure. a store or what's the story there? Uh, if, if you're developing, we've got a feature called LiveSync. And what LiveSync lets you do is get that app onto your device very quickly so you can see the app, test the app, debug the app uh, as you're making changes. In fact, on iOS, we have a companion app called Icenium Ion, which you can go find for free out in the uh, Apple App Store. And because, obviously, iOS does not allow side-loading of apps, mm -hmm. um, you can use Ion to scan a little QR code and then load that app up in your phone directly and do debugging there um, oh, right on the cool. device. So it's a pretty cool little uh, debugging feature. Uh, but then if you want to get your app out into the app stores, Isenium does support direct-to-app store publishing. So you can publish that app right out to Google Play, right out to the Apple App Store. Uh, we also make it possible for you to grab the packages we produce, like the... Um, compile packages for iOS and Android, and then deploy them directly to users for internal scenarios. And our goal, of course, is to make it even easier for you to deploy and publish those apps um, to private sets of users or internal users in the future. Todd, this is fantastic. Fantastic news, and uh, I can't wait to get started in Visual Studio. Thanks a lot, guys. That's awesome. All right, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.